Okay, we're on. Am I audible? Am I? My? Do I sound like you can hear me clearly? Why can't you see me? I can't see you too well, but I can hear you. Wave your hand. Yes, I see you move. I see you move. It works. <laughs> Nobody move. Nobody <laughs> move from where they are. Everybody, all of you are in the right place. <laughs> This is take sixteen of stories with Shastri. We've had a bunch of people. Come on board up until now. For example, we've got designers, people who, uh, musicians, actors, um, marketing professionals, and I'm I'm trying to see if I missed out on anyone else, but I'm not quite sure. But uh, yes, so uh, I have Rithvik Nagarkar coming on board today, and uh, Rithvik is someone who's who's an engineer who's also a brilliant blues musician, and uh, he. is someone who's apparently forced into guitar lessons which is interesting and strange because i never knew that about him so let's find out a little more what's up can you hear me i can hear you but i can't see okay now i can now i can all right so how are you as well as i can be because honestly at this point i don't really know what's going on <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anyone does. Someone was telling me, "Oh, the lockdown is ending, ending," and I looked at them and I just went like, "Oh, you delusional fool!" <laughs> <laughs> it's. I mean, it's but not, other than that, I'd like to be under the bell. So. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I said, at some level, I'd like to believe that as well. Yeah, as would I, but uh, I think it comes. I don't know if it if it is very uh, pragmatic to do so at this point. Yeah. But. So uh for my listeners uh, could you introduce yourself a little bit All right uh I am a blues guitar player/singer I uh, started playing professionally in 2016 with my uh, band Triple Shuffle that I formed and yeah I've been uh, that's been my main project ever since and I've been an engineer on the side Honestly, I should say I've been a musician on the side, yeah, that way. And yeah, I'm in my last year of engineering, uh, last semester of engineering. Ah, uh, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, how did you end up? I mean, you were okay. So that I get, but how did you end up being forced into? Uh, learning the guitar and then seeing the beauty in it how did something like that happen so when i was in school i was never into any sports or any sort of activities other than just wasting time if you could mm-hmm. if you could call it that and we had a guitar teacher nearby where my dad spotted a few kids uh, going to the guitar classes with their guitars on and he said you know what you wasted day doing nothing anyway so why don't mm-hmm. you go why don't you do something productive with your time like all right i'll do it if you say so and that's how i started but then later on mm-hmm. i guess getting better at it and really improving and like putting in the work and really seeing that i was improving was uh, sort of like a motivational thing for me where i went you know what if i put in work i can actually see the results which uh, right. should have been obvious but at that point at that age it was uh, instant gratification for me on a certain level so that's how i and how old were you again at that point i'm sorry how old were you 
I must have been around 12. Yeah, 11. Oh 12. wow, that's quite a young age. Yeah. Okay, sorry, you were saying go on. So yeah, that's that's what happened and after that I sort of started listening to a lot of music and thanks to the internet and uh, back then YouTube suggestions was a huge thing discovering music because back, back then there was no yeah. Spotify and all these sites. So as soon as you got onto music that you liked you got all the suggestions and that was the kind of music that i usually did like so mm. i started researching i started studying about the musicians that i admired and that's sort of when i decided that i wanted to do this uh, full time that's pretty cool so what about the blues as a genre resonated with you i mean i have an idea about what the, what blues is but i'm i'm definitely sure that i'm wrong all right so <laughs> so what about it resonates with you so what do you think what what is your uh, idea as to what you think it is because i usually like asking this question because uh, there are different answers and they're very interesting answers which are partially right but people also have like a very wrong imp- impression as to what the blues is so it's pretty interesting to see what people think so what do you think it is for some reason i've always seen it as a genre that is gritty but it makes you groove mm-hmm. it can be gritty but it can also make right. you groove at the same time right so the whole dance you forget your troubles away type of thing that's how mm-hmm. i was associated the blues so what is it exactly right that is a fairly accurate dude good job oh no bad points for me that that's usually what i tell people but historically speaking blues is uh, the genre of music that the black slaves in america uh, right. it was their music because they were not uh, welcome or they were not allowed in the part yeah. of town the black people that was their form of so this was yeah. their form of entertainment yeah i knew that bit yeah yeah so that's where it started and it sort of came into uh, the town of Uh, you know where white privileged people started listening to it and they started uh, sorry you know playing and uh, just expressing their own take on it because music across uh, countries and even across states like if you see blues like texas blues or chicago blues or say new orleans blues they're all different and yeah. uh, that's because music back then it was difficult for music to travel because there was no internet or uh, there was no you know there was no source as to which the music can travel could travel with so what happened right. was actually people who visited that area came back mm-hmm. and when they started playing it people around them started playing it and they sort of had their own take because they never really had proper knowledge as to how it was and the historical bit of it made sense to me because that is sort of how blues spread across the world and yeah. uh, also how i learned it because the hmm. main reason as to why i was drawn to it first was all the influences like all my guitar influences were blues players <clears throat> and at that yeah. point it, it was sort of it seemed easy to me to get into but it's something difficult it's difficult to get good at Yes. So you know okay. the entry into it was easy but getting mm-hmm. into it was so much better because since I'd gotten into it and I was listening to the same kind of music it was it made it so much better. Right. Do you think uh, people who listen to the blues can be el- elitist in nature? Uh they are. They are and I wouldn't I wouldn't lie about that. Um 
I don't know why that is honestly because when you like now that you think about the history of the blues that I just told you there is no reason yeah. for anyone who listens to the blues to be an elitist like it goes against what the genre stands for it does but in a way what happened when the blues came into mainstream which it never did really but guys like Eric Clapton you know the white boys from the UK yeah when they sort of modernized the sound a lot of people were introduced to it so what happened amongst the black communities is that they said dude this is our music like it's mm-hmm. not cool for you to or you're not you're not really feeling it because you've not been where we have and that is sort yeah, of where the elitist mentality yeah. came in but i know what you're asking and that's a completely different question which is true as well for some odd reason mm-hmm. but yeah that is that is one of the reasons as to why people are elitist but the first reason like what i said to you is usually uh, how it started out in the 80s the black people yes. thought the white people were actually popularizing it because it was difficult for say a black man to popularize something because they had no screen time they had no tv time because they were yeah. still a majorly oppressed class yeah so, so that's what, what but coming to you know the present scenario as of now uh do you see what do you think uh, like do you see it growing as a genre or you know the following for blues as a genre because i feel like the amount of people i see consuming blues has increased a lot like on my instagram feed at gigs the amount of people who show up so mm-hmm. what do you have to say about that in comparison to say the last 5 years uh i feel like the bands have definitely decreased in number in term because really? uh yeah in terms of you know the older bands and the older cast that actually did it uh because uh, they were say second generation or third generation but mm-hmm. that's just the older people who've actually lived through that era of where blues was sort of mainstream mm-hmm. are dying out like they're getting older they're not interacting as much because social media is now a new thing yeah. but what that also has done though is now social media is introducing this genre to a bunch of different people So in a way it's it's sort of a give and take where a lot of people a lot of blues fans that did exist are dying out literally and figuratively as morbid as that sounds that's true yeah and it's also sort of introducing a new generation of musicians and listeners but i'd say musicians mostly because if you th- really think about the people that are consuming blues music it is mostly musicians if you have to really break it down Right. And that is because they're drawn to the music just the way I was. So it's sort of a give and take where there's a bunch of fans that are moving out of this entire bucket of blues listeners and there are new people coming in. But net I do feel that uh, people listening to the blues are increasing but that is just because uh, social media has a huge reach. Yeah, and it is. Spotify and I feel like radio is making a comeback now. Yeah it is. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> so yeah, that definitely helps. Yeah, I'm sure. I think uh, the one person I can think of when he said uh, blues is a uh, musicians and consumers are dying literally and figuratively was Rahula. Who uh, So <laughs> yeah, for those of you who don't know he was Yeah, he passed a few passed away a few years ago unfortunately. Rahula was Rahul Chatterjee or Chad as he liked to call himself was one of the most brilliant musicians i've had the yeah. privilege to talk to or even come across because he's so welcoming and so warm 
So interestingly, though, actually, one of the main reasons is to why I play live. I don't think I don't think a lot of people know this. I don't think you knew this either. What? Wait, what? Yeah. I don't remember how I came across him. Honestly, I think I uh, this was I think back in 2014, where mm-hmm. Facebook was a bigger thing than Instagram. Yeah. I don't know if you. I don't know if you remember that phase. So I think everyone was putting out content on Facebook, and so was I. And yeah. uh, one of my videos was forwarded to him, and he uh, wrote me an email uh, hmm. saying that, "Dude, I just discovered you online, and that's damn cool. Uh, let's keep in touch." And I'd obviously heard of him, and I obviously I hadn't watched him live till that point because obviously I was underage to uh, hmm. get into places that he used to play at. But that was damn interesting for me to, uh, you know, have someone get in touch with me and tell me that. uh the work i'm doing is good but i also knew at that point that i was i i was really bad so i used hmm. to suck back then uh yeah. so i also had that knowledge like that self awareness that dude i'm really bad but the fact that he's actually reaching out means that i'm onto something and yeah like I he has some potential yeah and i remember i used to write him emails and i used to attach uh, these little clips of me playing and he used to reply back in all caps uh telling me how great that was and telling me how happy he was to see that the genre was being played by people so that really changed that really changed the entire game for me where he was actually one of the first people i uh played with like on stage like blues music uh, so mm-hmm. he was like there was a jam happening it was a private party happening somewhere i don't remember this was years ago and he just invited me and i just showed up and it was just warm and the way he was introducing me to people and he was uh, just talking to me about people and just talking to people about me it was so nice to hear that yeah he really changed the game for me wow he that's i actually didn't know that but that's yeah. very nice to know that you had someone who was such a driving force for you and your i think a lot of people need that one person Yeah. So what's your, moving on? What's your ideal blues gig? My ideal blues gig, I feel honestly, I've realized blues music is so simple to listen to. Mm-hmm. Is that if you just listen, you'll get into it. Like you don't need to know blues, or you don't need to anticipate breaks, changes. That's my job. Like that's the musician's job. But yeah. what happens to the audience is they become snootish. like they become very snooty as to what they think is right and that sort of rubs the people that actually want to listen to the music the wrong way you know they're like mm-hmm. well i guess it's not for me it's for him so i feel like an audience that is actually uh, there for the music and not in terms of you know if 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 it's a blues gig because you specifically asked uh, in terms of a blues gig yeah uh, is that they just need to know that they just need to relax and listen to the music and let the musician really take them to places and that happens through the music and i feel like if they just sit back relax and just try to get a handle of what things like what's going on i feel like it's 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 an easy genre to listen to and they'll have a lot of fun and that's my ideal uh, case uh, scenario for the blues gig right and what's your ideal audience like for any gig or what has been your favorite uh, like your ideal set of you know people coming for your gig Mm, so there, there's been a bunch of gigs where I've really enjoyed uh, playing. I think you were there for mm-hmm. the Murphy's gig. Uh, 
So what mm-hmm. happened downstairs? Not not the not the upstairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was there for that. Bob Hope. Mm-hmm. Come along, meet me. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that was fun. a bit funny. Interestingly enough, I don't think a lot of people there were blues listeners. No, they weren't. Yeah, they and weren't. I and I figured that, but it was a lot of fun. But that being said, yeah. I've played gigs where I've uh, played for people who are hardcore blues listeners. That was uh, in Delhi at the Piano Man Jazz mm-hmm. Club. Oh yeah, yeah, there That's was beautiful. Yeah, that that was a beautiful feeling. But like, you you see, it's it's it it's not the venue that makes the gig; it's the people that make the gig. Right. So it goes from venue. Uh, it goes from a venue like Murphy's where people were there because there was a pub hop happening, versus yeah. there was a piano man where people had actually bought tickets to come. Right. You know, so it's 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 both. But I feel like uh, I I did a gig at Hard Rock Cafe I think last year, where mm-hmm. uh, we there were a bunch of bands, uh, a bunch of local acts, and we were the ones that was closing the set. And they were like. Quite a few people there, and again, the same thing happened. Where they were not blues listeners, but they'd come there to support the music, and it was a lot of fun. Right, that's that's pretty cool. I've I've always felt like because I the reason I asked that is because I see a lot of musicians, you know, talking about their ideal audience. Because some of them don't like the ones that you know clink with their cutlery a lot. Yeah. But like, imagine you're at Shisha Cafe, and someone's like just you know trying to get into that steak. With yeah. all of the power they <laughs> have in them, and it can get so distracting for the artists that they just go like, "I know what? Why is it irritating?" But, uh, but yeah, it's great to know that you at least you know your audience in that sense. Or how does it feel to introduce, like you said at Murphy's, there were people who didn't uh, know the genre very well or weren't, you know, adept with it. So, how did you feel introducing, being the one introducing them to it? Honestly, it's a privilege. Like I hate, I hate the vibe the musicians carry. Where they are sort of the ones that uh, you know give a, give off that elitist vibe, and this especially happens with jazz musicians. I mean, not even blues right. musicians, but jazz musicians. Where they're like, well, you're not, uh, you're not educated enough to understand the music. Hmm. But you know, I've realized that if you undermine your audience, your audience can tell. Like even if you don't say it. The audience can mm. always tell, and uh, there's this John Mayer bit where he talks about how you should always understand that the audience is smarter than you. Mm. I've come to realize that, that is true, and if you actually treat them as equals and uh, try to educate them, because because the people that want, don't want to listen to you, no matter what you do, they they're not going to listen to you. But mm. you might rub people the wrong way if they do want to listen to you, but you act snooty or you're just Trying to be cool, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So right. it it is. I I take it as a privilege, and any time I step on stage, I basically assume that I know something that the people don't know. But it is my job. Hence, it is my job to let them know that this is something that they're missing out on. And if they happen to get into it, it's something that can change their life. And as as uh, run of the mill or as uh, Commonplace as that sounds, that's very true because that's happened with me, and maybe right. it might not happen to them at quite at that extent. But I feel like there is potential, and unless you as a musician or you as an artist try, uh, who's going to do it? Like unless it's you, like you care most about your art. 
So if you're going That's to take true. a step back and be like, you know what, I'm not going to educate these people, then no one is. That's true. That's very well said. So speaking of educating, for those of you who just joined, I'm talking to Ritwik Nagarkar. I'm quite proud of the plug I just made. Uh, this is take 16 of Stories with Shastri. Ritwik is a very talented musician. He's a talented guitarist. He's prolific at it. Um, he's also a child prodigy, which I'm going to come to. Uh, and if you have any questions about Triple Shuffle, about his work, about his hair, like what hair products he uses, because apparently a lot of people do. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just dying to get a haircut. Anyway. Yeah, this heat is going with, like, it's not as bad as yours, but it's heat is like poofing up mine, so yeah. it's a problem. I can't, I'm sweating already. So if you have any questions for Ritwik, please feel free to ask them. Uh, we will take them as we go. Uh, coming to the whole uh, tri-prodigy thing, because that's how you have been defined. So uh, by a lot of people I have seen around, and I would also introduce you as one, just as I did. So do you feel a certain amount of pressure being defined as something like that when you're performing? Honestly, I don't. I don't in the sense that, you know what, when I have to go on stage, uh, I feel like I have to live up to the hype that's been created. But I feel right. like that hype has been created out of goodwill. And not, mm -hmm. you know, trying to gas me up and then see me fall. Because when you say that about me, that is because you genuinely enjoy the work that I do and you're genuinely proud of the fact that I'm putting out the music that I am. So yeah. it's, it's a privilege, honestly. But what that also brings is you know that you're, you're not always going to be defined as a child prod. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So yeah. what happens to that is you're thinking five years down the line where you're like, you know what, if I don't improve, I'm uh, going to be someone that they used to call a child prodigy. But yeah. no more. So that's the pressure yeah, well, that I feel like people who are young and get into these fields feel. And A, they can either get carried away and ruin it for themselves, or B, they work extra hard because they know that this hype is not going to last. Well, I'm glad you're aware of that. And I hope you move on to people who start defining you as uh, the prodigy and not the ageist and call you a child. Yeah. But that is eventually, that's a long way off, I think. So yeah. uh, have you ever felt stage fright? Uh, interestingly enough, no. Really? Yeah, no. Like, maybe, maybe, like, you know, places like Piano Man, where I'm like, I'm in a different city. And hmm. I cannot believe, because uh, as soon as I remember, this happened when I was in Piano Man Gurgaon. And I stepped in, and it's beautiful. And as soon as I stepped in, I'm like, oh, shit, this is the big leagues. Like, I look around, and it's completely empty, but it's beautiful, it's well lit, the stage is set up for you. Maybe then, but, you know, after a few songs, uh, the audience becomes a little familiar. You know what's working, you know what's not. You see that the band is uh, really pumping out energy and they're there for you. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, after a point of time, it just, it just, becomes, it just becomes a good... Uh, but sometimes it does happen. I mean, if, 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 if I'm playing somewhere like in Pune where I've played quite a few times, where I know who's going to show up, and I yeah. know the people and everything, maybe not, but sometimes it does happen. So how do you deal with it? Mm, dude, I also know that once I get on stage, it's going to disappear in a few songs. 
and what i do is yeah. i prepare for it i'm like the first two songs that we do i know for hmm. a fact that i can nail them in my sleep because no matter how good you are there's always weak links in your set list which if they work hmm. they nail songs like you know slower love songs for example where you're like yeah. something goes wrong and you just drop the song so hmm. general rule of thumb for me in the band is do the song that everyone is comfortable with and so usually there's if there are four people there's usually one person who's not very comfortable with the opening song i put it later mm-hmm. on so we usually start with our strongest songs and when that is there it's it's that's that that helps us carry the momentum forward so it's right. it's bringing it and being prepared both at the same time that's pretty cool so coming to your band triple shuffle Mm-hmm. How did you all come up with the name and the whole concept of no like you know you got up one day and just went like let's start a band or how did that happen So this is this is a pretty interesting uh, story uh, I was so Rahula got me into playing live but mm-hmm. I had to form my own band because well he was uh, playing with his own band and I stayed on a different side of town so I had to figure my logistics out and uh, yeah I was a part of a band uh, before that but I sort of got treated as a kid in that entire group mm-hmm. because people there were like 30 35 plus and I'm like I'm sick of this like I need to start something of my own and I need to start something of my own that I have control over so um, that's what I did and I got together a group of people and before that I actually started scouting bands and I used to go to live gigs Uh, and i used to yeah. just check the band and no disrespect to, to them but i just saw them and i'm like dude i can do this like given mm-hmm. enough time i feel like i can do this and uh, yeah i formed a band and it started out as a blues uh, trio like a pp setup right uh, and it 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 that's that's how it started and we had a gig uh, before we could name the band because we started practicing <laughs> we recorded a few demos and we sent them out to venues and back then uh, beer cafe used to do gigs yeah. 2013 late 2016 and that was our first mm. gig so we were we had to send in a name for the flyer we just came up the triple shuffle it sounded all right there were three people it made sense mm. and i think the i think if i remember correctly the plan was to uh, change the name After we got done with the first few gigs, but then it just sort of stuck, and uh, here we are. Wow! So you just went on with it. Yeah. That's nice. So uh, you also apparently, when I asked you for your bio, you told me that you genuinely love engineering. How does mm. something like that happen? <laughs> It's a stereotype, so that's yeah. it. No, dude. I I feel like uh, if this one thing hadn't happened in my eleventh and twelfth, I don't think I would have uh, enjoyed engineering quite as much. I had a physics teacher hmm. in my eleventh and twelfth who was honestly, uh, you know how people say the education system would be fixed if we just have good teachers. Hmm. And I feel like most people that say that haven't really experienced what having a good teacher means. That's true. and i have and i know for a fact that what people think it is a million times better and mm. it can definitely change a life because uh, i remember i used to have conversations with him where uh, so he was like an iit uh, graduate who used to conduct research there but then he got bored of the job so he started teaching but he was really passionate mm. about teaching and you know how again uh, people who are from iit is a people who are just 
smart in general have this elitist mentality where they like you know what i know this and this is all i know and this is all i care about and this is all you should care about as well but he was not that mm. way and i remember there was this one time where we were uh, we were studying uh, properties of materials where mm. you know uh, metal scales and all of those things like for measurement that you use uh when mm. temperature changes what happens is that they yes. expand and contract so with yes. that the calibration changes and mm. you need the the method to find out the right measurements with respect to that new scale is very dif- difficult so i was in class once and i once asked him why don't we just invent materials that don't expand or contract you know what i'm saying because mm. if you're a physicist that should be yeah. something to do but he said to me something that uh, he said something that still resonates with me he's like dude no matter how good a physicist is it gen- generally boils down to how expensive it would be to create that material and financially if it's not possible this is what you're going to have to do and that's where i realized that there's multiple ways of looking at things and that is basically what science is and that's what he taught me and that's what mm-hmm. math taught me that's what physics taught me that's why i love engineering like i'm not saying i'm really good at it but mm-hmm. from a distance i can definitely be like oh do that's beautiful i might not enjoy it but that's definitely cool so do you think science is subjective because a lot of people say science is just fact so it can't be subjective uh do the thing is science is full of theories and there's there's, there's always going to be people that come and try to disprove theories you know what i'm saying yeah because the yeah. models of thinking that have been applied to come up with something mm. might not always hold true mm. other thing is the people that can uh, come up with an explanation probably are already mm. dead right so now the problem that happens with science uh, i'll tell you is that uh, we don't we as a race now feel like we don't have problems worth solving anymore Hmm. you don't feel like there are problems worth our time because if you see most of the problems that we think about have already been solved like electricity has been invented like it's it's been found that you can uh use electricity uh you know how yeah. to drive from one place to other you you know automobiles and stuff hmm. so stuff like that like the basic fundamental stuff like that has been discovered and shit like a cure for cancer is not so there's a huge gap so what happens with intellectual minds at this point in our generation is instead of going there like instead of looking at you know what how do, how do i find a cure for cancer you usually mm-hmm. try and break down these theories because there's nothing worth your while to do and it's it's basically like an artist where if you say science a scientist is an artist where if you don't have anything to do as an artist and you're not completely focusing in your on your art your mind goes to weird spaces like this is this is my hypothesis as to what i think is wrong with the science world and where people think it is subjective that is one part of it but majorly i feel like people who say that science is subjective or even have theories i feel like don't understand science well enough and that includes me right. where i'm like yeah i think I'll get, i get the theory of quantum physics but i cannot wrap my head around it you know stuff like that why not sorry why not why can't you wrap your head around quantum physics because dude what it basically says like one of the theories says that uh something that exists in your life is both a particle and a wave in theory 
it, that's all right but it is so abstract that the human mind tries to imagine whatever it is that it hears and sees hmm so if you hear something like you're seeing me you're looking at me and i'm a particle and a wave at the same time and you can determine yeah, like light is a particle and a wave yeah no but we all are all part, yeah. like all all objects including you and me were a particle and a wave so if you're looking at me hmm. i am a particle and a wave so if you look at me in particle form you will not be able to determine my wave function but if yeah. you try to find out my wave function you won't you won't be able to tell where i am because a wave is based it gives gives you the probability of where the particle can be yeah that sort of abstract is to you know to wrap your head around because well you're saying that this thing is there but then it's also mm. not there but it's only there when i look at it that sort of hmm. thing that's are you talking about schrodinger's cat or the uncertainty principle that is one like that that is a very uh, popularized version of right. the entire quantum physics thing but right. the place that it starts is the heisenberg's uncertainty principle which yeah. says that you can uh, determine the velocity or position or the momentum huh. yeah. it's either or it, it can't be yeah. both But, That's the one thing I remember in school. Yeah. Yeah. The Schrodinger's cat thing is like a more a modern sort of a simpler form of you know telling it to the kids. Yeah. Because it's easier to understand. <clears throat> But it's basically the same thing. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, I had I had another question, but I think I'll come to that later. However, I want to understand uh, one thing. You recently released an album at home. So yeah. you went solo with an album. So was that something that I know you did it because you were in the lockdown and uh, it, and all of that. But was it something that you've always uh, wanted to do and has it been on the table for a while, or was it just you something you did because of the lockdown? Uh, the lockdown definitely uh, gave me a reason to do it and a good enough reason mm-hmm. to do it because uh, the main motivation for me to do it was well, not the main. but uh, a catalyst in that entire process was the fact that i felt like if i didn't do anything after the lockdown ended uh, uh i would have felt like i did not uh, spend my time productive so that's that was right. one of the catalysts but the main reason for doing that was uh, i've always been a guitar player and vocals mm-hmm. and songwriting and vocals has not been my first thing has always been guitar playing for me so mm-hmm. i sort of wanted to challenge that and i wanted to get out of that entire uh, state of mind and recently what has happened what had happened was uh, right up until the lockdown uh, was imposed i was playing a lot with zane mm-hmm. where uh, <clears throat> i was just being the guitar player but that also uh, helped me to watch him be a singer and a vocalist But I like do that damn yeah. cool, and I yeah, realize I would uh, want to do as well. So it's hmm. something that I tried out. Right. Okay. That's that's good. So for those of you who haven't heard it, uh, Ritwik's albums on Spotify. It's called Written, Lived, and Recorded. Yeah. Which I really love. I personally love that name because I'm biased towards it. Yeah. But <clears throat> it would work. So uh tell me a little more about who Ritwik Nagarkar is beyond his guitar. Uh I think and people who have been watching and people who have stuck around for long enough know that I'm a nerd. I'm a science geek, hmm. nerd too, too. 
that's my thing dude because i feel like if it wasn't for music and i keep telling my uh, close friends and my family that it is that if i wasn't into music i would definitely be into some sort of research some sort right. of psychology based science based research and i did try to do it honestly after my 12 i tried to get into iso but the basic oh. iso is uh, an exam that you have to memorize for hmm. and that sort of beat the purpose for me i'm like this is not happening yeah uh, i i don't like the whole idea of learning by rote it's just not something i can do yeah So I figured that if 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 there was like a better way of approaching research, I'm definitely sure that I would have gotten into it. But hmm. uh, since it was something that I had to, you know, mug up shit for, I I I couldn't do it. But do you think that's what's wrong with the whole system? Where is that? Do you think that's why people are not actively pursuing science or enjoying it as much because of that reason? So there's 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 a bunch of reasons. A is uh, If you ever say to anyone, like if you're ever in that stage where you're in your twelve, like now, if you decide to get into research, probably your close mm. friends or your uh, professors, anyone that uh, you seek guidance from, will be like, "That's cool." But in a place like eleventh and twelfth, the idea of getting a solid job is so shoved mm. down your throat that research is really not a good way of earning money unless you're right at the top. and the right. getting to the right at the top happens uh, say in like 15 20 years if you work hard enough and you're lucky so there's a lot mm-hmm. of variables involved so people around you are like dude it's not safe like it's it's sort of like getting into music but a little better yeah so that's one of the reasons and two to we just haven't been taught in a way that once like that that inspires kids to you know want to get into research because it's 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 so it's so internalized within them that they have to get a job right after like they they mm-hmm. have to study for their 12 right after they graduate they're going to get a good job a good salary and that's all that environment is not really conducive to anyone wanting to pursue research because why would you because yeah. research means uncertainty like you might be the brightest mind on the planet you but you might not uh, come up with anything all your life you need to be okay with that and i feel like yeah. the way the education system is set up i don't think you can ever live without a victory so mm-hmm. to speak because if you get into research and someone's funding your research it is very possible as very okay for you to not come up with anything ever anything new say let's let's say you uh, help out people you write a bunch of uh, papers uh, with a bunch of your research researcher friends that's cool but uh, yeah i don't think people can digest the fact that they might not ever come up with anything and i don't think they're ever okay with that hmm. like and it's hard to win in a in a setup like research like there's no winning right there are people who spend years of their lives and they in you know remote places of the world and come back with nothing right exactly and you need to be okay with that and if yeah. you're not research is not for you right it's not i i understand that but then what i'm still trying to understand is why is it that actually do you think our generation is someone who is defying that whole ingrained idea of that you have to get a job after you're done studying 
uh yeah but i feel like now it's changing like if you'd ask me this question uh, last year in december like a few months ago i probably would have said <laughs> yes but now that this entire situation has come up uh it's 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 difficult to get a job and honestly i feel like parents that understand that the job market is very uncertain and very volatile will push hmm. their kids to get into something that is their own but now the problem is the kids don't know how to do that like for example i don't know if you've had like a general very uh, run of the mill uh, sort of a degree but i have and so i can hmm. speak for myself where i'm like you know like how you and me we started shit we wanting to do something and we have the drive to put out something whether or not it will work now i yeah. have been to my engineering school or my uh, college or my school where they were in a position like they they wanted to get a job but now they just pushed out in the world now what do they hmm. do at least you and me we, we have the experience right so now the fact is that yeah it was ingrained but i feel like that's going to change but i feel like that change is just going to make things worse because uh, people don't know how to be autonomous and work independently and get just get along with people and work with them for example you putting this thing together even if from the outside it's just a talk show you and i know how difficult it is to put this thing together yeah but who have never I'm done sorry that sorry for the trouble though yeah sorry i'm sorry for putting you through the difficulty no 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 i love it that's the thing i love it but the people who yeah. never experienced this and the people that have been pushed into this how do they cope yeah because uh, it involves uh, you having to write emails you having to make sure everything is on in order you you making sure everything starts on time ends on time they're not used to it for them this is unnecessary because they were supposed to get a job now guess what you're not getting a job what are you supposed to do so uh, yeah. i really don't understand now now that the government is uh, basically don't giving out loans like they literally hang it, handing out loans for anyone who has an idea and uh, what yeah yeah what are uh, prime minister uh, what's the word declare i think it's the 20 lakh crore uh, or whatever the number is i don't quite remember right before the fourth mm-hmm. lockdown was imposed to get the economy oh, I'll stop. on its uh, okay i stopped listening after the second yeah so, yeah that was smart but what now happened is uh, people are sort of deinvesting from china for obvious reasons right <laughs> so now what what is happening is econ- economies are trying to become self sufficient and what that means is there needs to be job creation from people like you and me yeah. who are actually in yeah. that age bracket so loans yeah. are being handed out basically for free not quite i mean you do have to work for it but what's happening is now people are being pushed to start something of their own but they have no experience they have no background in it what do they do so but then i also feel like you know having that option of that loan also comes from a place of privilege to a certain extent right in it's not in in the sense that you know the loan as long as i don't know much about the details of the loan because i haven't read enough about it so i would rather not speak about it much 
my only question is uh, because you read about it is it going to be divided equally amongst or everybody who is unemployed all right that is difficult no they're not they're not uh, handing out money hmm that's that's not what's happening like if you have a business idea and if you can uh, put up a balance sheet and you can see a three uh, show you three years worth of projections where you show the bankers and you show the government subsid- subsidizers that you have a good enough idea that might work hmm. you can get a loan but now as to how well that will be executed i'm really hoping that that gets executed well but i have no idea like that we're just yeah. going to have to get and watch yeah right one can hope we don't know yeah. if going to happen so the idea in its essence is beautiful uh and it's quite a ballsy move but dude you know how things are when it comes to these the first people that are going to get into this is politicians wanting that loan money for god knows what reason so i right. execution wise i we really going to have to hope for the best and uh, see how it goes but as an idea wise i'm telling you that there is an atmosphere where if you feel like you're confident enough to come up with something that generates employment and generates gdp for the government uh there is a little extra support that wasn't there a few months ago now whether it can be accessed easily or whether maybe if you belong to a category that does not have that privilege i don't know i, I don't know what are the privileged privilege categories there i don't know how it's going to be distributed i don't even know if there's going to be any form of transparency in that in that scenario right but uh, the thing is there is this thing which encourages people to start something of their own now whether we as individuals can uh, make the most of it and whether the government can keep their promises and execute on it we'll have to do wait what yeah hopefully how do you think this is going to this lockdown is going to affect musicians i mean i see a lot of them finally you know putting their music out a lot more than they used to which i'm very grateful yeah. for but other than that in the prospects of uh, musicians who are live performers and not people who just put out music in general how do you think it's going to affect them now do that that's weird and the uh, answer to that question is damn sad because and i know this because i've gotten in touch uh, with musicians two people i know that know a lot more musicians than i do right. so what now happened is that it's it's sort of common knowledge it's it's this is still a speculation it's sort of common knowledge that live gigs won't start until next year hmm. yeah so now what's happened is the bigger acts basically are like dude you know what i'm going to take a break for this gig i can afford to yeah yeah but those are the privileged ones but i'm not saying privileged in terms of you know what they have a work for definitely they they work for it but you know people like bollywood like the bollywood musicians or independent musicians like ankur tiwari or say uh, pratik kohar who've been in the scene for long enough they can afford to say you yes. know what it's all right i won't do anything for a year i'm cool but what hmm. what has now happened is that everyone below that hierarchy in that hierarchy everyone below that is now wiped out and everyone's been reduced yeah. to zero at least this one year now there are a bunch of people like there's a 1% that can afford to say you know what i'm cool i'm not going to do anything for a year see you next year i might release music i might not but the rest of the people like the bottom of the pyramid is now literally jobless uh and that's the reality of it 
but trying to look at it in a more positive perspective is now that everyone sort of equals now people that take action uh, and move and try to change with the time are going to be the first movers and they're going to have the advantage over them so it sort of leveled out the people that were not the 1% uh, mm. that has affected people greatly uh, let's let's just see how this works out because now even if uh, live gigs start happening on instagram live or say an app is invented or created only the top performers are going to perform there you know what i'm saying yeah because it's more exactly yeah that's a different story now your spenders are now completely different now people who yeah. actually have the money to spend are gone down the people who will play gigs are gone down now there's no concept yeah. if you know what there's a band local band happening uh, at this place where i drink every night so i'm just going to yeah. check out the band now you're not going to be like you know what this app i'm going to download this app and there's this random band that i'm going to pay for and watch that dies out because hmm. it, even if you have the money why would you do that unless you really connect yeah so yeah so now it's basically wiped out everyone that was not in the 1% and uh, now it just depends on who moves first and who figures out what to do with their art or there'll be a lot of people that will you know stop doing this maybe find a job maybe find something to do which is which actually pays the bills and that's damn cool as well yeah i mean whatever you can do to survive i guess Yeah but uh, do you think this lockdown has actually helped or maybe in some way catalyzed a mus- okay for example there's a cover musician mm. who's always you know, wanted to put out their originals but never really sat down to write do you think this lockdown has forced them to do that and have you seen any musician who's f- finally ended up doing something like that uh no i mean i don't i don't get why that would happen honestly is because if you were a cover musician there was never an excuse for you to never put out original music before this like not mm. like lockdowns made recording process any easier for you to do it more it's actually made it harder yeah. the only person yeah. that i know who's put out stuff is zane but yeah. as far as i know he was going to do that regardless of whether the lockdown was going to be imposed or not so yeah. I don't personally know a lot of people but logically following that train of thought I don't know why it might encourage a lot maybe what's happening is people see other people uh, being more active online maybe mm-hmm. that's inspiring a surge of uh, you know people wanting to put out music yeah. and mostly people have a lot of time now there's a lot more time than they had yeah because, quite quite a yeah because you know when uh, now you realize that when uh, the lockdown was not a thing and you were out and about you realize how much time you wasted on activities that really did not add anything to your life and yeah, now it's true it's been for the wake up call yeah so yeah so now the people know they like dude now I'm not wasting time because the government's asking me to sit at home so now i cannot defy that and step outside so i might as well add something and what happened with me for example where i was like dude you know yeah. what i don't feel like I, i i don't want to feel like i wasted my time so i'm going to do something hmm. it's a combination it's of all uh, but yeah it definitely made it harder for bands with a drummer or bass player or keyboardist and that entire thing to come together and produce music but yeah singer songwriters are having the time of their life like more 
more engagement online because everyone sitting at home people are actually online because they're consuming art because how long can you watch something like netflix so yeah. i guess i guess there's there's pros and cons to everything that is that before we sign off i want to know is there do you have anything that you would say to someone who wants to pick up a guitar but or you know just doesn't know whether they should or shouldn't irrespective of their skill set or not oh definitely they should they should because if if you're talking in terms of a guitar is one of the easiest instruments you can play uh so you should definitely do that but uh, going above that i feel like uh, something that people uh, get into is that they start playing and they're drawn to certain kind of music that's not the mainstream you know mm-hmm. and they feel and they get disheartened because that's not the mainstream but what i want to tell people that are starting out is that no matter what you play like you can play the weirdest stuff like you can play a bottle online and you put it up online like you produce something it is as random as you can imagine you put it up online there will be at least one person who can expect your art and that's because internet has a wide reach so now it's become mm-hmm. a volume game where yeah. you do the stuff that you love and you just put it out and you see if it works if it works then great if it doesn't now you know what not to do Yeah. So I feel like That's I really don't want people to not get into the trip of you know what this is no one will listen to this because if I was to go there I'd be like do no one wants to listen to the blues what's the point of starting a blues band Yeah but it's not true people will relate to it no matter how weird your genre is or how weird you think it is because this people that are as weird as you are and that's the best bit about it Yeah I think that's something that uh, is uh, comforting maybe for some people it definitely is and honestly like it inspires more people to put their art out because i feel like a lot of musicians want to do the mainstream bits like oh, want to get into stuff they are not into and that's all right but that's not sustainable and you can't you can't keep up with something that's not sustainable that's true that's quite mm-hmm. true okay so we are at the end of this i hope you had a good time yeah i did dude was fun thank you so much for uh, agreeing to do this and uh, any time it was it was great thank you so much see thank you thank you so much take care you too bye okay that was ritvik nagarkar and uh, i hope you enjoyed this conversation because we spoke about uh, stuff that was beyond music also which is great and ritvik is someone who you can talk to about stuff like that check out his new album on spotify it's called written lived and recorded by ritvik nagarkar and uh, check out triple shuffle follow them check out his work and i hope you enjoyed this session if you have any uh, feedback please send it to me give me tell me what i'm doing right what i'm doing wrong tell me how this could be a better experience for you i'm still working on it right now with the lockdown i have very few options available and uh, but yeah let's see and uh i kept moving and i noticed that you could see the mess behind and i would apologize for it but i'm in my house and you're in yours so it's okay i'm organizing it's fine but uh i do this every friday and monday uh this is stories with shastri and on monday we have anusarothya coming up and uh, we will be talking about sustainable living and how you can live sustainably from within your home and go zero waste 
So I hope you joined that one and I am just going to turn this off and thank you for tuning in.